Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. My guest for this episode is Bette Lucas, a podcaster and an adorable mom to six from the Pacific Northwest, and she's killing it with intermittent fasting despite her busy life. You'll get to meet Bette right after this. I have always been concerned about the quality of food I eat and prepare for my family. That's why I love to tell people about the delicious rice varieties from an Arkansas family who's been farming for, get this, 10 generations. It's the Ralston family in the beautiful Arkansas River Valley who has an outstanding rice product and reputation. And these are people who are committed to their principles of farming that include regenerative farming, which is the method where the farmers take a keen interest in the soil and water use and fertilizer. The water is actually from the nearby Arkansas River. And then there's another important consideration for the Ralston family, and that is sustainable farming. The family only mills what they grow, and they have full traceability from seed to carton. They have delicious rice in six core varieties, including white basmati, aromatic purple, and red. In fact, Nature's Blend is grown as a blend in the field. Go to their website to see where you can get this outstanding line of a most delicious Arkansas product at RalstonFamilyFarms.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Well, here we go. It's another podcast and another successful intermittent faster mom to like a thousand kids. It's true. Busy, busy woman. Okay, Bet, tell me a little bit about yourself. You've got six children, correct? I do. I am a mom of six. So my oldest just turned 11. And so I can finally say six under 11. And my <laughs> youngest is six months. So oh. um it's they're amazing. I have five girls and one son. And my son was convinced that on this last pregnancy, Lisa, that there were five boys in my tummy. And <laughs> I think Thankfully I think, that wasn't a vision from the Lord. Amen, and it was delusion. Amen. Good, good, good. Glad that worked out for you. Yes. And I work in the energy industry. I oversee sales and supply. And a big part of my journey and what I share about is is my health journey because I kind of feel as as a working mom, as a mom who can resonate with stay-at-home moms, I really like to emphasize that prioritizing our health is important and it helps us thrive in the other areas. And I can speak to that, you know, from a very real, imperfect, chaotic world. And so um, I'm so honored to be here and, and talk with you. Great. And I love listening to your podcast. Thank you. And you also are a podcaster, correct? I am. So a few years ago, I was just really had it on my heart that I wanted to try it. And I started taking the steps to to create a podcast. So I created a podcast called Living Your Big Bold Life. Okay, put that and in the show notes. Yes. And Living Your Big Bold Life, a lot of people are like, well, what does Living Your Big Bold Life even mean? And for me, it means living boldly in the path that only you are called to live. 
So I like to emphasize that, yes, my bold path is six kids, a crazy career, uh, a lot juggling all the things. But we all can live boldly in our own path. And my hope is that I share kind of bold testimonies of people on their health journey, intermittent fasting journeys, their career and family journeys, because when I hear of someone's journey that's exciting and inspiring, I don't think I have to go live like them. It just helps me live more my journey and be more confident to kind of own it. And so that's really what I love sharing about and interviewing guests about. And it's it's really been such a blessing for me because I learned so much from all my guests. So Well, then tell me about when in Beth's life, in your life, the tide turned and you started grabbing the health bull by the horns. You know, it was really, if I really think my moment was 2015, I had had four kids in five years and I was just at this point of feeling like I couldn't juggle anymore. There was no room in my life right now. You know, my career was busy. It was nuts. I had four kids in five years, four kids. It was just crazy. It's a lot. And it's a lot. And I remember thinking that to keep my marriage a priority, my career a priority, my family a priority, there's just not room for my health. And I had always been a decently healthy, active person. But what had happened is like the room for health just slowly kind of went away. It was like that room got filled with other stuff. And it's like I had this light bulb moment and I was on a vacation with my husband. It was a kind of a last minute vacation. And this light bulb went off to say, what I'm doing right now isn't working. I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and my health has kind of taken a really back seat. And I said, why don't I start challenging this thought process that prioritizing my health is selfish? Why don't I change this thought process by not making it, it doesn't have to be my primary priority, but maybe move it up the ladder a little bit. So I just started taking baby steps being a little bit more active, trying to learn a little bit more about my body, trying to figure out what what I was doing and what was working and really what wasn't. And on my health journey, a big part of the reason I use the word bold is that I started realizing that a lot of the tools that I had been using for years that I had been told were going to make me healthy were taking a lot of time, were no wonder busy people, busy moms, can't stick with them. And they weren't simple enough for my life. They, they Yeah, I could do them for a month, but they took too much room out of my life. What so, were some of those tools? You know, I think the mantra of just eat more healthy food, eat more often, keep your metabolism going. And I was... Hi, Lisa. I was queen of eating pretty healthy. I yeah, like, same. yeah, I love healthy food. I, I, you define healthy food, I'll eat it. But my problem was I was eating too often and too much. And yet I was doing that. And then I got a trainer. I won this gift certificate at a, a local charity auction. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a trainer. That's going to, that's going to push me through. And it was like, that didn't, that didn't make a difference. Now, I started feeling a little bit better, so that was good. But a big part of my bold journey has been to kind of challenge what we've always been told, to count calories, to eat more, to move more, to spend two hours in the gym if you really want. 
And I just started realizing that it was really important for not only my journey, but for other people that felt like me, that had all these balls in the air, right? Juggling all the things that they knew that there were some tools out there that didn't have to take up more room in their life. They were going to provide more room in their life. So that's really my message that our health doesn't have to be as complicated. It needs to be a priority, but it doesn't need to be so complicated. Well, I think we define priority. Uh, we kind of move that definition. And we think if we spend more time, it's being work smarter, not harder. Yes. You know, and that's one thing probably, in, because I know a little bit about your journey with intermittent. I know you subscribe to the intermittent fasting paradigm, which we call the health plan or Jen Stevens so famously mm-hmm. coined the phrase, the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Most and definitely. so when we start focusing on that health plan and not being in the gym health plan and not eating fewer calories health plan, because that takes a lot of work. People who do the meal planning and the calorie counting, that's a lot, that's a lot of hormonal stress. And we know, especially with women as we age and have babies, the more stress we get, the more abdominal fat we see. The bigger the bags are under our eyes, the more our hair falls out. Totally. And all the things of pregnancy, childbirth, uh, postpartum, our hair's falling out. We're getting puffy eyes and we're getting abdominal fat. So then combine that with things that perpetuate it. We're a mess. That's why women, I, I feel for these women who after they've had these babies in a row or at a point, I, I was just with a girl today at the gym, who um, is in her fifties, she's postmenopausal. And she says, she says, Lisa, you know, look at me, I'm doing everything I can. I've got this and I've got that. And I went, well, you're overdoing it. Yes. Now, and that's what I think you're giving people permission, Beth, to say, underdo it. Yes. Do do less, but do more. Exactly. It's paradoxical. Do less, but do more. And so what are some of the things you did then? What You flipped that switch after baby four. Did you have a weight issue at that? I mean, of course you did. You just had four babies in five years. Yeah. So I, it's funny. And I always had quite a, I always had good body confidence. I, I, you know, some people say, oh, they were at this really bad point in their body confidence. I actually felt pretty good, but I was in denial of where I was at. I would call myself 40 to 50 pounds overweight at that point. And so I started taking steps. And the first big step that I took, which if I reflect back is kind of intermittent fasting, I took the cream out of my coffee. That was a seriously, okay. a big Great. basic step. It was like, that's awesome. It was awesome. And at the time I didn't call it intermittent fasting, but you know, looking back, Lisa, that was my, a big part of my problem. And I was drinking cream filled coffee all day and yet not fueling my body with good, a lot of good food or having sit down meals. I was just sipping on what does gin call it? The milkshake. You know, I was yeah. sipping on my milkshake and I didn't have sugar in mine. I, I literally just liked wow, cream in my just coffee. just like the cream, yeah. Yeah, and so that was a big turning point. My next well, bit- Wait, okay. I need to stop you here, just yeah. so for people listening. The reason yes. this science is so important, it is so familiar to you and me, but to somebody listening, if these terms are new to you, by the constant barrage of insulin, because we know, because people say, well, 
um, so-and-so said on the Today Show, you could have cream in your coffee. Well, then you're not fasting. You can have all the cream you want. I don't care if you swim in it. I don't care if you bathe in peanut butter. But if you do any of that during what you call a fasting period, you're not fasting. And so we know that the barrage of insulin is what stores fat. Yes. Because we know insulin's important because it ushers glucose to the cells. But what you were doing was keeping your, even though you were having 50 calories or whatever, it doesn't matter because calories don't mean anything to us. Right. But you you had small caloric intake, but huge effect on your insulin. And if your insulin's up, you're not burning fat. So you probably kept, you had that 40 to 50 pounds was a lot of that was a layer of fat. And some inflammation, I would assume. Inflammation and fat. You've got, you nailed it. Just because I, I, I have birthed babies. I know. Yes. I know what happened afterwards. I know you're looking at your body like an alien. You really are. You feel bad. You're tired. The sleep deprivation. That's how we torture. We know that that's how we torture people. You know, yes. governments have done it for years. And women are really at a point, especially if you had those babies and you were working, you're some kind of superhuman. I mean, you are some kind of unicorn to have done that. But so you, the unicorn dropped her her cream in the morning. And so then you ended up, you were fasting and didn't know it until then what time of the day did you decide to eat real food? And now we know that's called breaking your fast. You know, at that point, early in my journey, I was still breaking it like mid morning, but it still gave me the difference. You know, if I'm waking up at 5 a.m., you know, let's say mid-morning was still five hours maybe without that I would have normally had it. But then my next step was I read a book called Body Love and it's by Kelly Levesque. Okay. And she, she emphasizes the fab four, which is protein, fat, fiber, and greens. And what I realized, oh, and she says no snacking, Lisa. So my next step was I'm just not going to snack between my meals anymore. I'm going to wait. I'm going to I'm going to drink my black coffee and I'm going to not snack. And all of a sudden, I started noticing by focusing on protein, fat, fiber and greens plus not snacking, I was more full, more satiated. <laughs> I could yeah. go longer and oh my gosh, these snacks were getting in the way of my journey. So then all of a sudden, that's how I kind of ended up at the doorstep of intermittent fasting. Those kind of tools, I all yeah. of a sudden was, I was full. I wasn't as hungry. And then I started kind of playing with, well, I'm going to just skip dinner tonight. I'm just going to skip dinner. I feel great. I had a really nice satiating lunch with protein, fat, fiber, and greens. I'm just going to skip. Well, when I started doing that, it was like putting my journey it full speed ahead. I I just noticed the wow. results I had been getting were really good. And then I wasn't even skipping it every night. I was just skipping it a few days a week, but my body was so happy. My energy was so high. Had you eaten anything on those days that you were skipping dinner? I did. And I would have, okay. I would often have, interestingly, early in my journey, I would have a bulletproof coffee for breakfast and then I would have a big lunch. That was okay. that was kind of my path. And a lot of people are like, you have kids. How did you not eat dinner with them? And I actually found it great. It was really helpful to me because I could visit with them more. Yeah. I felt more available. And I know a lot of people have really good success with an evening window. But for me, I find as a busy 
mom and my, with my career, actually a midday window works really nicely. And it doesn't have to be right at noon or right at 11. It could be two. It could be one. I mean, it, it varies. But that was a huge turning point for me um, early on in my journey. And then I had a couple more babies in between then. <laughs> right. Of course you did because you weren't stopping. I wasn't uh, stopping. <laughs> now, with when you dropped the cream, did you notice that you were less hungry that, you know, releasing insulin, see, this is what people think. So I, I coach these intermittent fasters and we yes. do Zoom calls and they're so desperate after that first meeting, the second meeting, they're like, well, I almost died this week because I didn't, I couldn't have cream in my coffee, you know? And I said, it's going to benefit you because your hunger, you're going to keep your hunger at bay that by teasing, you remember that insulin release, girl, the minute I have insulin release, I'm I'm at the, that's why when I open my window, I typically make it my biggest or most concentrated effort of food consumption because I'm mm-hmm. the hungriest. Yep. I do better if I don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. Because then if I, if you just trickle a little strawberry juice on me, I'm ready to eat the whole barn. Yes. So did, did you notice then that your hunger had dissipated maybe when you dropped the cream? Definitely. And I just want to reassure people of exactly what you said, that clean fasting, fasting with not putting cream in your coffee, not doing the bone broth, not doing the no calorie beverage or the fasting powder you're hearing about on the Internet. I want to reassure you that your former thought process is going to be my fast is going to be easier or my I'm going to be this is going to help me be less hungry and You and I both know that if people will just try it, they will be like, well, I didn't believe you. I (laughs) thought it was going to be horrible. And I'm way less hungrier. So I always say that, in fact, I just did an episode on it. I said, clean fasting is the way to make your fasting easier and to get faster results. And I I wouldn't have believed it if I probably wouldn't have experienced it myself. Really wouldn't have. Right. That's a great testimony. At that point, had you learned about, no, you didn't know about clean fasting yet. You just did that on your own. And then, so the principles we, you know, subscribe to, or Jen Stevens is the book author that we talk about. And she's the person who coined that Mm -hmm. phrase too, is the clean fasting. So once you got into clean fasting, once you dropped the snacks and the pedal was to the metal or the metal was to the, I always forget how that goes. Uh, the, the pedal is down. Um, what kind of weight loss then did you see? So effectively, I had probably lost 20 pounds up to that point, but it had taken me quite a few months to get there, like a few months to get there. When I started just dropping, uh, then I started dropping the dinners and kind of intermittent fasting more. All of a sudden, I lost an additional 20 fast. Like it was just super happy. So and this is coming from someone, Lisa, who I had been at this like weight and had tried all the things and my weight was not budging from that number. And it was extremely defeating because, you know, like I said, I had always been decently active. I'd always been decently healthy. I was an athlete in high school. Like I it was very weird to me that I couldn't budge this number. And so I knew, I knew something was right here. And and it just logically was like, oh, and that was when all the things I had always been told were didn't work. And now all these bold new health tools were working for me. I was like, 
oh, I got to tell people about this. This is yeah, totally. this is changing my life. And yeah. it's not that complicated. You know, I think it's really hard for athletes because athletes uh, put before them a goal and they yes. use enough uh, willpower and chutzpah and oomph to reach the goal and surpass it. So when your body starts doing things that we thought it would never do, despite the fact that you're doing all the things, it kind of makes you mad at your body. It makes you mad at yourself and going, you know, "Hmm, what is wrong? I'm doing everything right. And that's what the girl said to me at the gym today. Lisa, I'm doing everything right. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just the thing. It is. That's why we have to move calories. Just let's quit calling them that. Just let's look at nutrients. Let's look at nutrient dense foods. Let's look at gut health. I mean, it goes back to gut health. Did you feel like that you had to, did you have any autoimmune conditions or anything bad that you were dealing with as well? Like the, I've got a thyroid that's not impressive, you know, a, right. a dead thyroid or anything else that often happens after childbirth and pregnancies. So I didn't, but what I did Good. notice is I had, I would say my side effect was more that I was just, by the end of a day, I was just so tired. And on a Friday mm-hmm. night, I was like hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I didn't have the clarity that I have now. I didn't have kind of this, the non-scale victories for me have been like this additional zest. And I've always been a very bubbly, extroverted, outgoing person. I hear it. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I hear and, it. But I feel like at that time, I didn't realize how much better I could feel. I just didn't realize it. And I, I, it, it's not like I was walking around like, you know, Eeyore with the cloud over me. I was, I was living life to the best I thought I could live it and the best I thought I could feel. And yet now, um, but I'm on no medications today. I think, you know, I'm 40 years old, not that old. Uh, but a lot of people my age are on met, uh, quite a few medications. I'm always surprised. And and that doesn't go against someone who has to be on something. I'm not criticizing That's right. that. That's right. No. And but I, I, want I, totally to, I want to emphasize that I think it's quite a testimony to our health journey when we can say, you know what? I'm not on any medications. I feel great. I'm sleeping good. I wake up clear-headed. And sure, there are days where I still hit hit the pillow really hard. I mean, I've got a lot going on, but I just feel so much better. And I want that. I want that for that the friend you met at the gym. I want that for that mom mm-hmm. who is just in the grocery store or at home and being like, what's wrong with me? There is nothing wrong with you. There's just some tools you didn't have. There are some tools you didn't have. And you know what? We're on a mission to give you those tools in the tool belt that are and take away some of those that you used to have that don't work. Now, what did you do since uh, intermittent fasting is contraindicated for pregnant women and nursing mothers? Yes. What did you do during that nine month? And then if you chose to nurse uh, the time after that with fasting? So interestingly, Lisa, this is probably my number one question from my followers from in my podcast. People just I think it's because moms are really overwhelmed on what to do. So let's say they're an intermittent faster and they get pregnant. They're like, well, what do I do? So I, I would, what do I, yeah, how do I, yeah. so I would really recommend they check out two things. One, really check out that body love book, because okay. to me, it doesn't, 
emphasize what you can't have. It's really about what you can have. And and it's not it's kind of in, encouraging you to not snack too much, even when you're pregnant, to that that we don't want our bodies barraged with insulin during pregnancy either. Because a lot okay. of moms think they can just eat anything, snack all the time. <laughs> and then what happens is is that they go do their glucose test. They don't think anything's wrong. They've had a decently healthy pregnancy and get, and guess what? They've got gestational diabetes and they're like, well, what, 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 what? So I really believe it doesn't mean you have to eat a huge ribeye every day. I, I'm not saying that, but try to build around a protein. And there are plant-based proteins out there, but look at your plate and say, how can I build my plant my plate around a protein? And then and then next, how can I add some kind of green veggies to kind of fill me up? Therefore, and some maybe some fat, just to give you a little bit of a, a, a sati- additional satiation tool. And then then let, if you need to have a little bit of an indulgence, a little bit of treat when you're pregnant, then it's, it's, you're kind of full, you're nutrient dense on your nutrient dense foods and you're not grabbing the carton of ice cream and the endless granola bars and the processed foods that, yeah, sure. Every once in a while in your pregnancy, everyone has their indulging moments, but even if the weight isn't showing up on the outside on your pregnancy journey, and you're overindulging, it will show up on your insulin. And that's I, a good point. I really and, think people need to think about that. Think, they'll say, well, it was out of left field that I had gestational diabetes. Probably not. No, probably not. Too much sugar is usually what I find. Their sweet tooths go out the roof when they're pregnant. And they might be having a little bit more ice cream than normal, a little bit more cookies, a little bit more things that aren't horrible, aren't, you know, evil, but there are some consequences there. And I think that we all can think about that, about our friends that maybe don't gain weight on the outside on their health journey, but all of a sudden they have ovarian issues. Maybe they have Alzheimer's. I believe, similar to pregnancy, that our bodies are flooded with insulin. They're flooded with it. And we're told to snack all day. You know, when I used to drive to work, I used to stop sometimes two times. I would get my latte at Starbucks and I would go and get like a breakfast sandwich. Like that was a very normal thing. And so my advice to pregnant women is to move your body. It doesn't need to be strenuous. You can do what works for you. But even a daily walk, even that will pay off in huge ways later. It will help you be strong during labor. Eat foods that serve you best. And those things really helped me. And then when I switched back to intermittent fasting, it was like, oh, I'm ready. You know, I, I'm I'm feeling so much better. Breast- well, your your oh, fasting muscle has memory. It totally you probably does. went, you fell right back into it. Right. right. It, what, because you'd already done the hard part. Right. And once you scaled that first mountain, what was your weight gain like then for pregnancy five and six? Was it less than with the first four? Definitely. And in fact, I I looked at my different weight gains and my my biggest like my highest weight I hit, I believe, was with my fourth. It was my fifth and sixth that, that I have the best because that's after I had kind of learned these tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't just eating because, oh, well, I'm pregnant. I can eat anything. And I just, I, I want to reassure people that 
have that baby, enjoy that pregnancy, love it. But sometimes the enjoyment can be a little small treat. Don't think you can just eat anything because there are consequences to that on your journey. Um, And then on breastfeeding, you know, breastfeeding is really interesting. Breastfeeding is another one that other big family moms reach out to me because they're like, but bet if I don't intermittent fast, if I can't intermittent fast, I've been pregnant for 10 years. What do I do? And it's a really interesting demographic out there that feels like they need help. And so to me, I say these things. I say, well, let your fasting be your sleep. You need to keep up your milk production, right? However, there are tools that I used early in my journey that I can, I think, apply to breastfeeding. One, take, drink your coffee black. If you're drinking coffee while you're breastfeeding, drink your coffee black. Just, just don't have that, that milkshake hit. Um, Well, plus the dairy often bothers the baby anyway. Totally. So if you reduce some dairy on the front end, it may help the baby on his back end. Totally. And a lot of people have to give it up anyways. And then maybe just shorten your day-to-day window. Like maybe instead if you always ate dinner at seven when you're nursing, maybe try to eat it at five and be done. And, you know, in a lot of ways, our grandmas, our ancestors, you know, they weren't eating three meals a day. They were not. And they were breastfeeding and they were having babies. And not eating five meals a day, which is really what your physician might tell you. No, you're right. They weren't. So I try to say, you don't need to intermittent fast. We realize we want you to have all that milk for that baby. At the same time, there is some intermittent fasting light bulbs that you can apply to your non-intermittent fasting breastfeeding journey. And for mine is cut your window just a little bit in, just move up dinner a little bit. You know, my grandma, she drank black coffee in the morning. She had a nice lunch. She might've had a snack with her black coffee, maybe not. And then she had a nice satiating dinner and it was done. Like it was, she was not snacking in the pantry. And that's really where I think we get in trouble is the evening snacking, grazing, and whether you're pregnant, breastfeeding, or an intermittent faster, if you can just say, nope, no pantry, we're done, I think that you will be much more prepared to be successful on your journey. Well, I hear a lot of women, too, tell me that it's the wine consumption, that um, they'll kind of open that bottle and have too much and I've heard Jen Stevens say that when she really got, when she has to get serious, if she feels like her honesty pants are too tight, um, that she drops her Prosecco and her dessert. Because you do have to, you have to make the decision. And again, no condemnation for me. You do you, anybody listening. But if you have a question as to, huh, why isn't this budging? You may want to drop that second glass of wine or repeat glasses and then maybe drop the dessert and then... You know, when you can have it um, on weekends. So have you, do you consume alcohol? Is that in your list of consumables? So I am so passionate about this topic because I love a good glass of Sauvignon Blanc. All my friends Mm -hmm. know that, love it. But December of last year, I really wanted to challenge myself to reduce the amount of days a week that we had it because it always feels like around the holidays, it's at the dinner table. And similarly, like a lot of people out there and a lot of women, we're not having one glass. We're not having one small glass. We're having multiple glasses. And even if you 
earth to everyone out there, even if you're eating healthy, <laughs> even if you're intermittent fasting, right. even if you're right. active, if you are drinking wine too often, too much, it, your weight loss is not going to happen. Your health is going to stall. It is. I, and I hate to hear it. I'd, I'd like to go la, 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 la. You know, <laughs> right. I would. I'd, I'd like to go wine tasting every day if I could. Um, and uh, so... A really great tool for me is that I say I'm only going to drink one to two times a week. And I really believe that if someone is stalled out exactly what you said, if they're doing everything else, try taking just even a few weeks off of alcohol. Just try it. And I guarantee you're going to see health health changes, positive health changes. And, and once you kind of get over that hump, because a lot of people say, well, I can't. And they're not an alcoholic. They just love their every other night wine with their husband or their wine with dinner. And I say, just just try to reduce down to one time a week and do it for a month. And the first month you're going to be like, this is hard. I hate it. I don't like it. But then guess what? They notice their anxiety improves. They notice their sleep improves. They notice their night, night, night sweats improve. I mean, yeah. So I want to tell everyone I know it's hard because I like it, too. And I am not coming from a place of uh, holier than thou, but I think we are doing ourselves no favor. We're kind of the wine generation right now. It's it's all the rage to have so much wine. And I just think if you can reduce it down to one to two times a week or take a few weeks off, more power to you and your health journey. You made a good point. I do think we are the wine generation. I don't remember my parents having wine. Now they have the hard stuff. Yes. You know, yes. But I don't remember them sitting around drinking wine and everyone having monogram wine, you know, Yeti cups and yeah, all the mommy things. Yeah, likes wine. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, right. it's very interesting. And I, and I interviewed a few doctors, but one of my favorites is Dr. Ted Naiman. And he says that the number one issue that he sees with women and even men, but with women patients is the wine. It's actually, forget everything else. He says it's the wine. And he says it's not an alcoholic issue. He says it's, they are having one to two to three glasses of wine, at least, let's say three to five nights a week. And they don't see that it's a problem. And I really believe that it is probably more of a problem than we all realize and want to admit because we like it. We do. And and I love talking about it because anyone who knows me knows that if I could, I'd probably have wine every night. I can't. I need to put my big girl pants on and realize I feel better. I am better. And I will be better with a little bit less. Well, it lowers your inhibitions. You might eat more. Yes. You might grab the dessert. I'm just glad I, I I gave it up. I don't even know why, how it, it just, I don't drink it anymore. And I think Good part of you. mine was I lost my taste for it when after I'd COVID because, you know, it messes with your taste and smell. And then um, I just forget to, ha- I, I don't even think about it anymore. So I don't know what's happened. And I realized though, Beth, that I, it did interrupt my sleep. Yes. Because I would justify and go, no, that's just, you know, hormonal issues. No, it interrupted my sleep and it gave me a headache the next day. Yeah. And I would always, I'd be puffy. I would yes, just right feel here. puffy. Yep. Yeah. Under my eyes, I'd feel puffy and stuff. And it would kind of sometimes congest. I mean, just all the things. So now, totally. I mean, I guess I had, they get the little mini bottles of Prosecco 
you know, you can do, cause I just want one glass of something. I've had it in there for months and I'll, you know, maybe I'll open it tonight in honor of this conversation. But I, do, it, my point is it, for anyone listening, you can get to the point where it's not even a thing anymore. So it's for me, it's not even a thing anymore. And plus I like chewing my food and I don't want to, you know, people say I drank supper. Right. I don't want to, I, I like, I, you know, the thing is about intermittent fasting, the longer you do it, the less food you really require or you get full right. so easily. Right. So since I don't have much, I really want that steak you're talking about now. Oh, I <laughs> love know, opening I want, with a steak. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So uh, I just kind of think, I mean, that's for me and I know everybody's different, but I'm just saying if you're listening going, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Um, you, you can, you you know, and pray, just pray, pray that if you need to quit, if you need to drink less, because I'm all for drinking. I don't care. And again, I don't care what anyone does. But as for me in my house, um, and my husband realized too, he he just said, he said, I realize if I have alcohol, then I'm worthless the rest of the night because it makes you sleepy yes. or it makes us, because we just eat kind of one meal. Mm-hmm. And then if we have wine or he'll have um, a I don't even know. I mean, he really didn't even drink. I mean, he hates wine. It gives him a headache. I'm pointing like he's in there, but he, he his, you know, his office is in the other room. <laughs> My studio is right here. But just with us, I know we've kind of gravitated toward that. Um, what, what's your daily eating window like then? What's your approach now that you, how, so the baby's six months old. Baby is six months old. Now? I am no longer breastfeeding. Okay. I actually, so, that could be a topic for another day, which is actually okay. quite fascinating. So, you, you know, she's my sixth child. Here, I think I'm working from home right now. I'm, I'm not traveling for my job. I'm like, oh, breastfeeding this time? It's going to be amazing. I'm going to do it forever. And we had so many struggles with her. And really? ironically, she also doesn't like formula. So this child is- So does she get the rib, she gets a ribeye steak? Yes, that's what I have to give her. No, um, (laughs) she probably would. She, so I get donor breast milk and that's a topic for another day. But these are, I know, I know. It is literally, there's these angels on earth walking around. I could cry. Yeah, I got it. That women would do that because it's liquid gold. You don't want to share- you don't want to share what you have. No. I mean, that is so generous of these women. I'm telling you, it has been, I actually really believe that God had this happen to me for a reason. I really believe this because now I've been able to share and tell other people about it. And it has been, I mean, I have been so humbled through this process and leave it to your sixth child, right? Because you think, <laughs> oh, I've done this. I've got this, you know. Uh, got it uh, down. Got it down. <laughs> and and <laughs> it's been the most beautiful, touching. It makes me want to cry. And I always say that our sixth child is our child. And I really believe that because she has five siblings. But I also believe that she's these moms who donate to her. Oh, she's their child, so too. And I mean, where do you, do you go to eBay and look for it? Like, where do you buy this is donor breast milk? Yeah, I never knew about this. So my sister was the one who told me about it. My sister is 10 years younger than me. So, you know, she's, she's up on all the things most of the time, you know. So she goes, Bet I was expressing my like disappointment and my frustration. And she goes, Bet 
there is these sites in every state on Facebook. They're like private groups and they are it's called Human Milk for Human Babies. And you can go on there and donate and you can go on there and request donations. There are sites where you can pay for milk. But if you can believe it, Lisa, the site that I am on, the one for Washington State, is completely donor. These moms. I don't know why. That makes you want to cry. I'm telling you. And so and one of my donors right now, like this will make you cry. One of my donors right now, and I'm going to try not to cry. And I'm not really a big crier. Um, One of my donors right now, her son has had some significant health problems, had to get a tracheotomy put in and a G-tube. And she's in the hospital with him for two months. And she reaches out to me and said, Bet, thank you for supporting us during this time in the hospital. And I had just randomly signed up to support a meal train with a gift card and had donated to their cause. And I don't know her. I know of her. And so she takes the time to write me a thank you. And then she goes, and I saw that you're looking for breast milk. And I'd like to give you Henry's breast milk. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. And here I'm this like, I don't. That's humbling. Humbling. And Mm. so now I just Mm. feel not only like Vivian, my daughter, is forever. um, I'm closing this just open forever. Our child. I also feel this bond at this Henry. Like, I feel like Henry is kind of a part of me now, too. And um, I think this mom probably thinks I'm weird because I can't. I I always want to be like, do you need anything? I, I just I can't feel feel that gra- like express that gratitude enough. Well, you feel a connection to her. Totally. She is providing the life sustenance. Totally. That your baby needs. It's just it's that's it's amazing. And the reason, okay, now I'm gonna put on my see, I think I'm a doctor and all these things. Yes. Now I'm a counselor. So my therapist hat says, you're the reason this is so monumental to you is because you're the woman that has it all together. You've never had a need in your life. You yes. just birthed your sixth baby. You could probably run totally. to LA and back and lift weights while you're doing it and nurse a baby on the side and that you're not nursing. So this is the first time you've ever had to raise the white flag and say, I need help. Totally. It's been so humbling. And it's really, you know, it's so important on our journey to have those moments because I would say if I had one word, there's lots of words that could describe me, but I would say my word is capable. I am a capable person. I can figure it out. I Very obvious. I, I, I feel like that is a gift and a curse. And yes, in this moment, I could not do what was needed. And additionally, well, the right normal solution would have been I just went to formula. And all my other babies, when I had to switch to formula for the end of their period of, of eating, they loved it. Vivian didn't. So that here's this Vivian. amazing that, that Vivian. She's going to be a stinker. <laughs> our baby. I know. Our okay, baby. wait. My, my ADD acted up. Did no. you tell me then what your daily eating window was? No, did, we, my, did we do that one? Okay, good. No, I, of course, said I was going to save the breast milk story for a different day. And did I know? No, I had a, to tell you. That's a great you. story. So that's a great story. Today, a really good eating window for me is I open around lunchtime. I like to okay. open as early as 11 and as late as like 2 or 3. 
And what serves me well is a protein forward, high nutrient lunch. Like, let's say it might be yesterday I had chicken and arugula salad with some feta. um, And I will try to really kind of satiate myself then. Then I don't, I try not to snack or, and I kind of clean fast until dinner. And then my dinner may be a half a meal in my mind. It may be nothing or it may be a full meal. So I kind of like to tell people, I range in a one to two meal a day kind of order where my midday is my biggest, and that's when my body likes it. Now, I've done evening windows, but for me, I always seem to revert back to loving a midday. So I, depending on how I feel at dinner, and then I had really good success, Lisa, if I do one long fast a week. And that that mealless day for me, it it just never fails. I can be pretty, I can have pretty long windows and be successful, which I would encourage someone if they're struggling with a shorter window. Sometimes if you do a longer window, but segregate, really segregate it, don't snack, don't go to the pantry, all those things, and really front load. I really do front load. So I'm a little bit different than most people. I I, I, I realize that. Um, That has been a really successful tool for me post baby. Like, for instance, uh, my my daughter is six months old and I am less than 10 pounds from my lowest weight pre baby. And I feel really good about that. And um, and I feel strong and I feel really healthy and I haven't done it aggressively. But I think for me, by doing one meal a day a week. I can be a lot more flexible on my fasting the rest of the week. And my True. body likes it better than if I don't do a meal a day and I do tighter windows all week. It's interesting. I, I've really found that on my journey. So what day do you choose to not eat? So you don't eat anything? Nothing. I do. Su- okay. So I do Mondays and I like to start Sunday after dinner. Um, and then I will work out sometimes Mondays, sometimes I won't. Mondays are my busiest day for work. I am swamped with meetings from the morning, the, the first part of the morning to the late evening. It's also my podcast launches on a Tuesday. So it's also my busiest prep day that night to make sure everything's ready to go. So Monday just kind of flies, to be honest. Now, there are hard yeah. periods, but it's great. And then I just open at some point. Um, on Tuesday, sometimes it's 10 or 11. Sometimes it's around lunch again. I I just kind of listen to my body and I've just noticed that shorter windows, if I go too short, I don't make as good of food choices. So it's a little bit different than some people where they go too wide. They don't make good food choices. I go too short. When you're saying shorter eating window. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah. Just because the ambiguity, shorter eating window is not best for you. It just shows that everybody is so different. So different. And I heard Jen Stevens say in her podcast last week that she's even tweaking her window. So she is the person we've all, like I said, listened to. And so she's the person that first told me and told all of us that she didn't eat until about 4.30 or 5. She would open with a snack and then have a big meal and have that glass of Prosecco and dessert Mm -hmm. with her husband every night. 
I tried to be that person. I'm not cool enough. Yeah. Because like I said, the minute I start eating, I want that to be my window. And then I might have, I might have a snack later, but she just said last week, she's now reverting to the person I am. She said, now when I open my window, I am getting most of my meal in. And so mm. she just sits with her husband during his traditional meal time at 630 right. or whenever they eat in uh, their little town in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia. Um, and so she said, she goes, the neat thing about intermittent fasting is you continue to tweak it. it you continue to reinvent your wheel. Totally. You know, your, your wheel of eating. So what might be working now for you, because menopause has stress on your body, um, postpartum has stress on your totally. body. You wait till you, those are, te- those cute kids are teenagers. Oh, you, pray for me. Yeah. I need prayers. I'm, I'm starting now. <laughs> I was warning you. And then there will be a glorious day that they're all out of the house. My, someone asked my husband the other day, we were talking about the happiest day of our life. And I said, you know, it's when you have a baby. He goes, no, it's when the last one goes to college. <laughs> you know, uh, it's Or when you get married, all the right. other days that we call happy. So, but those are stressful times and your eating period might change. Your eating window might change. Totally. And that's where I love that you emphasize that because I think so often people say, well, this is how Sally does it. I have to do it this way. And I yeah, always no. have to do mm-hmm. it this way. And no. I want to tell people right now. I even, you know, I've told Jen this, I've told all, everyone, sometimes I don't fast. Now, I fast by with my sleeping, but I'll take a break. If I just feel like my body feels like it needs a break. Now, what's a break? A break might be I open at 10 and I actually have dinner that night. So I'm still fasting a little bit. But I yeah. think sometimes I like to compare it to shoes, the shoes I liked at 20 are not the <laughs> shoes I wear today. Lord help me. Right. Those heels, right? right? I think fasting like shoes. Our styles are going to change. What's comfortable is going to change. And I want to encourage you, if you have been fasting and it's no longer comfortable, try on a new pair of shoes. You know, That's good. It's, it's really, now if you're in your first few weeks of fasting, don't try on too many shoes. Stick with that shoe for a while, yeah. you know? Yeah, it takes a minute. It takes That's a true. minute. And I mm-hmm. loved it. I loved one of my guests said, would you keep it on for more than five minutes, please? I love that. Um, <laughs> but right. I do think like you and, and Jen, I've worn a lot of different fasting shoes. And what I yeah. do today may not be what I do tomorrow. And we right. should be constantly learning and evolving and heck, Half of what I do now, I might say, gosh, that was crazy. Why did I do that? But it works for me today. Were you on Jen's podcast? I was. Were you guest? I was. Episode 40. I remember it now. Yes. Yes. It was, it was, uh, it was so wonderful to be on it. And it was before my podcast. Okay. Yeah. You, I don't remember any of that, but I remember your cadence uh, and your energy and Washington state, like, but you may have had just, did you just have five kids? I had just five. I had just five. And I remember, uh, I remember some of this. Yeah. I'm impressed. You remember I, I, um, it was really an honor. And then Jen was so kind and was willing to be my first guest on my podcast. So she was my first guest. There you go. And isn't she great? I just, you know, I don't know if you felt like this and you're, you're so established in a broadcaster and all these things, but I was so humbled that she said yes 
And here I had, you know, no podcast yet. And I just said, Jim, this has been my dream. I would really be honored. And I was so nervous, more nervous than when I was on her show was my first, my first episode. You know, I was so nervous. And gosh, I'm just so grateful to her. And then she came back. She came back. I don't know. I, I, I will forever feel like there are people we need to do that same thing for. You know, there's people that that want, um, you know, whether it's the the kid who needs the internship, whether it's the person who wants that interview. I hope I can extend that same grace and that gift that Jen gave me when I was kind of first starting. Well, because we're we're also emphasizing to people that um, you are in control of your life in the fact that um, you don't have to listen to all those lies and quit listening to calories, just eat nutrient dense food. And she's also showing us that her goal isn't proprietary. It's for the the health of changing the, this y'all, this changes people's health. It puts people that they're not having bariatric surgeries, that they're not having knee replacements. Right. And, and so she's showing us it doesn't cost you anything. Totally. That you don't have to go to doctors and be on expensive medicines that have side effects. And those side effects have side effects. You know, that you can do some things because she's the person, Jen Stevens, and I'll put that in the show notes um, just to remind you. It seems like I talk about her on anytime I talk about intermittent fasting with somebody. Right. I, I call her the mother of intermittent fasting. But she's just reminding us that she went from 210 to, we think, 130. You know, mm-hmm. I think the last time she weighs or whatever weighed, she's, and that was years ago, five years ago, maybe, she was 130. Um, but that she wants to give people the tools to help them so that they're not saying, what, why is my life like this? Because she's the one who, I mean, her diet history is storied, you know, totally. she was on all the diets, all the things, and she dieted her way, she said, to 210 pounds, and she's five foot four. Right. And so now she's a double zero, you know. And so one of my favorite stories, and I've said this before, just because it needs repeating, and I say it in my intermittent fasting uh, Zoom calls that I do, that she went from, she said she didn't get on the scale all that time, and she had dropped two sizes and she was convinced that's that's got to be 10 pounds. That's got to be this. And it was, I think it was like two or three pounds. And then you realize the scale's really not the best barometer. No. It's your favorite, you know, she calls them, you know, your honesty pants or whatever, you know, or the fact that each season you go into your closet and the clothes fit. Or right. they're bigger. Or they're bigger. They're bigger. <laughs> yeah, they're bigger. Yeah. So because of you and pregnancies and stuff that may have been impeded some, I can understand that, but you've continued to forge on uh, with things. So did you have in your podcast episode with her, did you have siblings that also maybe did you have a sister? Well, maybe you just mentioned the sister there. There was another connection I felt in hearing your story. I can't remember, but I was like, I like her. Oh, I liked you. Well, you're so sweet. I have made so many connections due to that interview, and it's been such an honor. And ironically, a lot of guests on Jin's show, you know, and, and like you have been on my show, and I just learn from them and have just been so honored to connect with them. But, you know, you're so, so right on body composition because 
at my same weight years ago, I still really didn't feel comfortable wearing a belt. Like a belt just never seemed to work with my body shape. And ironically, I can totally wear a belt. Like I have a waistline that I never have had. I've always been a top gainer. I've always here and here and um, with skinnier legs. And ironically, I just thought I would never wear a belt in my life. It was just not going to be a part of my, my uh, story, even at some of my fittest weights. And, but you know, you're showing us too, that that's unhealthy. We know that visceral fat around the organs, the woman with the skinny legs and the abdominal weight is more to risk of heart disease and type two diabetes and other health concerns. So the fact that you've reached the waist size and belt size that you can tuck in that shirt or whatever is huge for your, it's huge for your health, not just visually for you or emotionally, but it's a great marker for your health. Completely. How tall are you, Ben? So I'm five, seven. And so I, um, I always like, I think I can hide weight more than most people too. I don't know if it's my body shape or it's how I've dressed in the past or whatever, but you know, it's interesting. My dad, my grandparents, all of a lot of side of the, some of the, my relatives, they are all built like me and my great grandparents, you know, died, died in their forties and fifties due to heart things. And so I think- um, I just am really passionate exactly what you said that figuring out how to remove some of that visceral abdominal fat is not just all about looking good in a swimsuit. It is, right. it tells us a lot of things about our health. Yeah. It's a barometer. Yeah. yeah, definitely to our health. Well, I love the way you live your big, bold life. You're just adorable. So endearing. Thanks. I've got all the information with Bet in our show notes and check out her podcast. And I remember now I did listen to a snippet of your podcast and I was like, oh, I love her energy. And so now, of course, it's because you're on Jen's podcast, the Intermittent Fasting Stories. Yes. What, what episode were you? Do you know? I was number 40. Number 40. Okay. Yeah. It's an easy one to remember because it's 40. I think I would forget otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I love sharing my story. And then ironically, Jen let me use for my 40th birthday this year. She let me use that audio and we put it on our, my podcast too. So we have it on living oh, your big bold life. Great. So that was fun. It's fun that's to look great. back and, and see kind of how your journey has evolved. It's been really, really such an honor. Well, you're killing it and you're very endearing and good luck to you you. and blessings to you and that sweet little baby. That's our baby and Henry and his and his donor breast milk. I mean, I'm just undone by the whole story. I think it's so charitable of that mama to do that. So I agree. uh, I hope we keep in touch and for our listeners, all the information about this fabulous girl in the show notes. Don't miss it. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.